Warm greetings to all our brethren around the world. We are thankful for the blessing that God is giving his work around the world. Mr. Weston has given us encouraging news in his weekly video video updates. I hope you're watching them. And when he gave this video update, he gave us some encouraging news of the work, and he reported that he that we had a record month in January 2023 for go-to requests. As he stated, quote, go-tos are those individuals who request baptism or want to talk to a minister, perhaps want to simply attend church. And we have a record in January. The previous record had been 330, but that was way back in 2014. But in January of this year, 2023, we had a worldwide go-to request of 357. That means 357 individuals. So we're thankful for the gospel going out to the world. And we thank you for God's, thank God for his help and his inspiration and the team effort here at headquarters and the team effort in all our international offices and around the world and, and all you brethren who are supporting the gospel going out to the world. We can rejoice in God's truth, and we can rejoice in the revelation that he, he gives us. But the world is stirring up more carnality, and it's plunging forward to its self-destruction. And we know when we look around at the world news, we have to pray your kingdom come. It just is getting worse and worse as time goes on. Matthew 24 and verse 37. Matthew 24, verse 37 tells us that In this day and age, we are going to be like the culture in Noah's day. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the becoming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 24, verse 37. Well, what was it like in the days of Noah? I think you'll know there, and I won't turn there, but you know Genesis 6 and verse 5. What was it like in Noah's day? Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And we see see major segments of our world and culture are just evil continually. So they were anti-God, they were anti-truth, they were anti-revelation, if you will. And so much of the world is becoming just the way it was in the days of Noah. Congress passed the same-sex marriage law. And the, the Charlotte Observer reported that the de- Democrats cheered when the passage was announced. Here they're cheering a perversion. God condemns not only those who practice perversion and sin, but those who approve of the immorality and the abominations that God declares as sinful. Romans 1, verse 32. Romans 1, verse 32. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they same, do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So even those who are not practicing but approve of those perversions, uh, God condemns. It's amazing because in May 1996, the United States Congress passed the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, DOMA. DOMA declared that marriage in the United States was defined as one man and one woman. It's amazing (laughs) that Congress had to declare that. 
This act was signed into law in September 1996 by President Clinton. This law allowed states to refuse to recognize same-sex marriage granted under the laws of other states. What a major reversal of the culture and the sense of righteousness and what is right and wrong in just 26 years. I encourage you to read the Newswatch feature in each of Tomorrow's World magazines. Uh, for example, in the February issue 2023 on page uh, 28, the February issue reports on sins that will bring God's judgments on our country. The Newswatch headline was, United States Enshrines Perversion. The United States Enshrines Perversion. I'll read from that report on page 28. On December 14, 2022, American President Joe Biden signed a piece of legislation, the Respect for Marriage Act, RFMA, that seeks to protect same-sex marriage in the United States. Moses warned the Israelite-descended peoples that in the latter days, they would become utterly corrupt, calling good evil and evil good. That's Isaiah 5 and verse 20. And would bring upon themselves the wrath of God. That's Deuteronomy 31 verse 21. Just quoting from the Newswatch article on the United States enshrines perversion. So what is the basis for this carnal, immoral, ab- abominable congressional action? The belief is that human beings are only animals and that we are evolving with an animalistic ability. Evolution denies that humans have a spirit in man or have a spiritual dimension. We have a spirit in man, as the 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 points out. I hope you've read uh, Mr. Weston's LCN article on what is the spirit of man. That's July, uh, August 2022. We've had uh, several telecasts, articles, and sermons uh, concerning evolution. Mr. Wally Smith, the major guide on the subject, of course, is a booklet, uh, Evolution and Creation, What Both Sides Missed. I hope you've read that booklet. And we've had a telecast some time back, Questions Evolution Cannot Answer, and a sermon by that same title. We've had uh, Evolution or Revelation question arc part two, which was July 31st, 2010. And this sermon is basically a, uh, an addition of that particular topic, but we changed the title to Revelation or Evolution. And we have uh, coming up May 7th, 2023. I don't know if we'll see this uh, a sermon video by then. Uh, Mr. Weston's a television program called Evolution's Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, also, he has an article in the Tomorrow's World magazine by the same title, the March-April 2023 uh, Tomorrow's World magazine article, Evolution's Dirty Little Secrets. And then we have another telecast coming up on June 4th, 2023, uh, program number 715, Evolution or Revelation. Uh, that was taped in January uh, 23. So I uh, hope you'll be able to see those uh, programs if you haven't already, depending on uh, when you view the sermon. So in previous sermons, we've discussed major questions that evolution cannot answer. Evolution and theistic evolutionists can't answer these questions because they deny the total inspiration of the Bible. 
They reject divine revelation, and therefore they are limited to material knowledge and can't understand spiritual knowledge. So years ago, after my telecast on questions evolution cannot answer, Richard Dawkins posted questions Christians cannot answer. I don't know if it was a result of my telecast or not, but of course false Christians could not answer all of those questions. But true Christians could. The the post uh, disappeared, that is, Dawkins' post disappeared uh, some months later. Evolutionists cannot answer the most fundamental questions of life, the future and reality. Uh, Jesus expressed appreciation to his fathers for the awesome truth he's revealed to average human beings. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Yes, average human beings can understand revealed truth, revealed reality, much greater than the great intellectuals of the world. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. So God has given his servants and his children great revelation. Eternal truth is revealed in the Bible, and those who reject revelation reject eternal truth. God gave human beings a spirit in man, and that spirit distinguishes the difference between animal brain and human mind. God challenges humans to investigate his creation. So the scientific method, when properly applied, produces material knowledge. The scientific method consists of, number one, observation, two, experimentation, and three, human reasoning. Mankind can understand much of God's creation and the natural laws and processes that God has put in motion, but mankind cannot understand all-encompassing truth apart from divine revelation. There are many, many questions evolution cannot answer. In today's sermon, we'll briefly discuss 12 questions evolution cannot answer. Each question has been covered in websites in our sermon or in published articles. But these will be uh, briefer summaries. So the title of today's sermon is Revelation or Evolution. So I encourage you to review the previous sermons on the subject, Questions Evolution Cannot Answer, Evolution or Revelation. So brethren, take note. The answer to these questions, that is, Revelation reveals the 12 answers to these 12 questions. You can understand and you can answer these questions. Evolutionists cannot or refuse to because they deny the spirit dimension. These are questions evolution cannot answer. But you are responsible, brethren, for answering them because of 1 Peter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Or as the New King James has it, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you of a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So 
I challenge all of you, brethren, not only just to realize that evolutionists cannot answer these questions, but you need to give a defense and be able to yourself answer these questions. So that's the challenge I'll give you today. So what is your answer to each of these questions? We'll briefly discuss 12 questions evolution cannot answer. Question number one is, what is the meaning of life? Of course, I recommend you to read Dr. Meredith's booklet, What is the Meaning of Life? as formally titled, Your Ultimate Destiny. As you'll see, most of the questions can be answered by our publications and sermons. But I want to quote briefly from uh, Dr. Meredith's booklet, What is the Meaning of Life? Page number one. Quote, sure, some religious people might feel like... feel they will be wafted off to heaven to sit around for all eternity with nothing to do except roll around heaven all day, as the song goes. But you should not assume anything. Do not be gullible. Find out for yourself and prove what is the meaning of life. The real truth of the matter has been revealed in the Creator's Instruction Manual for Humanity, the Holy Bible. In the Bible, God decrees the fate of nations and empires. He prophesies of world-shaking future events that are to happen. And these prophetic events are folding behold your eyes of this generation. End of quote. So what is the meaning of life? And what is the purpose of life? There's a distinction between the words meaning and purpose. A meaning has to do with significance, importance, and value. Purpose requires action, which we'll discuss in question number two. But in question number one, what is the meaning of life? And here, the evolutionists, many of them, deny the very purpose and meaning. Dr. Meredith, in his uh, Tomorrow's World magazine, July-August 2009, in an article titled Spirit Warfare, commented on the evolutionists' desire to do away with meaning. Dr. Meredith writes, Why do people try so hard to do away with the concept of a real God, a God with authority who governs the world and intervenes in human affairs? When I was growing up, one of the well-known philosophers and intellectuals, quote-unquote, made the following admission, quote, For myself, as no doubt for most of my contemporaries, The philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation. The liberation we desired was simultaneously liberation from a certain political and economic system and liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. There was one admirably simple method of confusing these people and at the same time justifying ourselves in our political and erotic revolt. We could deny that the world had any meaning whatsoever. End of quote. That's from Aldous Huxley's Ends and Means, page 270. So you can understand, yes, evolutionists not only can an- cannot answer the question, but many of them don't want to even discuss and admit there is such a question. They deny that there is any meaning whatsoever. Brethren, can you answer the question, what is the meaning of life? I challenge you to write a sentence or two or three on that very subject. And as Aldous Huxley said, 
For myself, as no doubt the most of my contemporaries, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation. Long time ago, when I was on the World Tomorrow program, after Mr. Armstrong's death, uh, we interviewed a Nobel uh, Prize winner, Sir John Eccles. He was a Nobel laureate in medicine and physiology. And here's what he said on uh, Tomorrow's World uh, telecast when we interviewed him. Quote, The meaning of all this, I think, is in the mind of the Creator. You see, as soon as you get away from materialism, you have wonderful opportunities. You've left being tied down and materialism stuck in materialism. End of quote. He says, I think the meaning is in the mind of the Creator. Well, he was very, very accurate in that point. Evolution cannot ascribe physical material, or it can as ascribe physical material meaning to life, it, but it cannot understand the true meaning is a relationship with God. The true living, true life, far transcends the physical. The true meaning of life is inherently immersed in our relationship with God and with each other. Remember what the first great commandment is, and that's in Mark, the 12th chapter. Of course, it's in the, uh, Matthew as well, but you want to turn to Mark, the 12th chapter. Mark 12, and uh, start the verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what is the meaning of life? It's inherently in relationships with God and with one another. But you're to write out your own inspiring answer to the question, what is the meaning of life? And I'll try once again, which I did successfully earlier today, Living Church of God Sermon. Develop godly relationships. So, okay, came up within one second. This time it worked. So uh, just go to Google or your search phone and say, Living Church of God sermons develop godly relationships. Yes, that is inherently in the meaning of what is the meaning of life, the answer to the question. So questions evolutionary cannot answer is, what is the meaning of life? Question number two, evolution cannot explain the purpose of life. Why are we alive? Why are you? Why were you born? As I explained earlier, um, meaning of life is the value and the significance of life. Purpose has to do with action. You must do something. And our purpose to, is it our purpose to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we'll die? Uh, no, God's purpose is here to prepare for being a part of the royal family. Ephesians, the fourth chap third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter. This is uh, one of my favorite verses of many hundreds of favorite verses. Ephesians, the third chapter. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know, God wants us to be a part of his royal family, a royal priesthood, as it brings out there in First Peter. So 
God has called us to be a part of a spiritual family. And the purpose is that we have to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ so that we can be born into that royal and immortal family. We're preparing and practicing his whole way of life as exemplified by Jesus Christ. Your ultimate destiny now is titled the booklet, What is the Meaning of Life? And the firstborn son and the family are preparing other sons to join in that family. Romans 8 and verse 29. So how do we prepare? What action do we take? What is the purpose of life? A purpose is to be born into the family of God and to develop the character of Christ so that we can be in God's spiritual, loving family forever. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknow, knew, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Brethren, yes, we must be conformed to the very character, the nature, and the mind of Christ, to be like him, and it takes a lifetime. And we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, strive to do that every single day. We understand God's divine purpose, and Mr. Armstrong and Dr. Meredith have stated it so many times in just four words. God is reproducing himself. God is producing a spiritual family, and we are to become a part of that and prepare to be a part of that, growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We have sermon number 129, God's masterpiece of creation. He's created the physical, awesome universe. And we see the awesome galaxies about us. We'll talk about it a little later. But what is the greatest spiritual creation? Righteous, godly character, divine character in human beings so that it can be found born into the family of God as immortal, glorified sons and daughters of God. And how do we grow in that grace and knowledge? By fulfilling the mission that Christ has given us, the great commission, quote, preaching the kingdom of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so we are called, of course, Romans, Revelation 5, verse 10, that we are to be kings and priests and rule on the earth. So we have a mission and we have a purpose. Question number two that evolution cannot answer. What is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to be conformed to Christ's perfect nature and character, and to be born into God's royal family at the resurrection. Question number three, evolution cannot answer. Why the universe? You turn to Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Hebrews 1 and verse 3, here's an awesome statement about the power and majesty of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Moffat's translation says, He, that is Jesus Christ, reflecting God's bright glory and stamped with God's own character, again, reflecting that whole purpose, stamped with God's own character, listen to this, sustains the universe with his word of power. Hebrews 1 and verse 3, the Moffat translation, sustains the universe Christ controls all those two trillion galaxies and every 
every astro body that's in those galaxies. Those, some of you have seen some of the photos from the web, web telescope and the, seen the Sombrero galaxy, the Whirlpool galaxy, and the Cartwheel galaxy, particularly from the web telescope of, of galaxies. Uh, the space probe Voyager 1 photographed an image of planet Earth in our solar system. And this is from the book Privileged Planet, page 228. And it gives a, a photo of the Milky Way galaxy, kind of a, a long stream because the uh, galaxies are normally level and flat. And here's this little dot in it. And that pale blue dot is planet Earth within that galaxy. The privileged planet stated this, This 1990 image of our solar system was taken from a distance of around 4 billion miles. Planet Earth is barely visible, and it certainly looks very insignificant. Carl Sagan, an American astronomer and cosmologist, considering this pale blue dot, as he called it, made the striking comment, quote, our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no one that will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. <laughs> he had no hope. There is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Oh, yes, we're preaching that hope. There is hope in an actually guaranteed future of a wonderful salvation. And that's from a pale blue dot, a vision of the human future in space, 1994 by Carl Sagan. Uh, but we can also actually see a view, this uh, particular photo of the galaxy with a little dot of planet Earth uh, was also printed in Tomorrow's World magazine in, in an article by Mr. Wally Smith, Home Sweet Cosmic Home. Uh, that was in the April 2017 Tomorrow's World magazine. Uh, we printed a, a photo of that uh, galaxy with the pale blue dot. So Carl Sagan called it a lonely speck in the cosmic dark. So must we conclude that we are meaningless? Uh, should we conclude that the universe is meaningless? Uh, the universe is a powerful evidence of a creator. And our inspiring book, The True God, Proofs and Promises, gives us much more information than we have time for. It explains how the growing number of scientists acknowledge the anthropic principle. In essence, acknowledging that the earth and the universe were created for mankind. So why the universe? As I stated in one telecast, the universe is the environment for humans to learn about God and to grow in the very divine character of God. The universe is the ultimate inheritance for those human beings who will be born into the kingdom of God as immortalized, glorified children of God. Revelation 21, verse 7, you must be familiar with, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Question evolution cannot answer why the universe. Question number four, what is the origin of the universe? 
Even our children can answer that question. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What is the origin? God created the heavens and the earth. And Exodus 20, verse 11, of course, describes the recreation in the fourth commandment. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this recreation is uh, plainly described in detail in Mr. Wallace Smith's booklet, Evolution and Creation. I'll give a comprehensive explanation. The famous astrophysicist Stephen Hawking in a lecture called The uh, Beginning of Time, uh, Hawking stated this, The universe has not existed forever. Rather, the universe and time itself had a beginning in the Big Bang about 15 billion years ago. As God created the universe, and he created time itself, That was before time began. And Genesis 1, verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. So God expects us to be good stewards of planet Earth and our immediate environment and to learn to grow in godly character in his way of life. So number four, Question, evolution cannot answer, what is the origin of the universe? And we saw the answer is in simply Genesis 1-1, and our children know the answer to that question. And the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. Question number five, evolution cannot answer, what is the origin of natural law? Those natural laws existed from the very beginning of creation. Scientists admitted they had to be. I've quoted this before, but as theoretical physicists Stephen Hawking and Roger Penrose wrote, quote, The only way to have scientific theory is that if the laws of physics hold everywhere, including at the beginning of the universe, end of quote. I'll read that again. The only way to have scientific theory is if the laws of physics hold everywhere, including at the beginning of the universe. And that's from Quantum Cosmology, uh, The Nature of Space and Time, uh, page 40. So here again, here are the astrophysicists included that natural law began with the creation. Where did that law come from? They cannot answer that question. Uh, James 4 and verse 12. James 4 And verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And of course, he tells us a good understanding have all those that keep his commandments. So God is the lawgiver. Have Psalm 1, Psalm 119. And what is the origin of natural law? God is the great lawgiver. And of course, uh, Dr. Douglas O'Neill's booklet on uh, the real God, Proofs and Promises, goes into more detail on proof number three. Laws demand a lawgiver. Question number six, evolution cannot answer. What is the origin of life? Bill Bryson's in a short history of nearly everything. Uh, Dr. Mr. Weston and I have quoted this several times, but it's amazing. Here's an evolutionist who admits it's impossible, but believes in 
with a blind faith, the impossibility. Page 289, from A Short History of Nearly Everything, quote, For random events to produce even a single protein would be a stunning improbability, like a whirlwind spinning through a junkyard and leaving behind a fully assembled jumbo jet in the colorful simile of the astronomer Fred Hoyle, unquote. <laughs> random events produced uh, a single protein, and uh, it's, it's impossible, but they did it. Uh, proverb on page 289, proteins can exist without DNA, and DNA has no purpose without proteins. Are we to assume then that they arose simultaneously with the purpose of supporting each other? If so, wow! No, if so, no, <laughs> that did not happen. So there are so many of these processes that require simultaneously development that it totally is impossible according to evolution. So the incredible action of RNA and DNA is graphically presented in a DVD titled Unlocking the Mystery of Life uh, from the Center of Science and Culture. I hope uh, many of you have seen that uh, video. If you haven't, uh, perhaps your local congregation can order it, Unlocking the Mystery of Life uh, from the Discovery Institute. It shows all these micro-machines in the little, in every cell. It's like a little universe inside the living cell. And these micro-machines and the animation in that video is just absolutely amazing. And, of course, where did life come from? There was spiritual life before there was physical life. As it points out in Job 38 and verse 6, God questions Job to what were its foundations fashioned, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? So there was a spiritual, angelic realm of life before even the creation of the earth. The spirit world, the angelical community, shouted for joy when God created the earth. The spirit world of life pre-existed physical life. Genesis 1 describes the creation of life forms. God is the life giver. Genesis 2 and verse 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living being. And then you have the spiritual life, and that's of such an inspiring section in your Bible, James 1 and the first chapter. James, the first chapter, verse 1. Uh, if you haven't underlined the scripture in your Bible, perhaps you should. James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So every blessing we have is from God. Verse 18, and so you need to underline this, of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creation. Or as the King James has it better, that he begat us by the word of truth, that we are his begotten children. And, of course, he is the one who gives us life. He begets us as spiritual children who will be born into his family at the resurrection. So evolution cannot answer the question, what is the origin of life? 
The first two chapters of the Bible answer that question. And further, evolution is ignorant of even the greatest reality, the spirit world. It's ignorant of the abundant spiritual life that God intends for human beings to enjoy. John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Evolutionists, agnostics, atheists can't have that kind of abundant life. So question, question number six, they cannot answer, what is the origin of life? There are six more questions, and we'll try to get through them uh, fairly quickly if we can. Question number seven. Question number seven. Uh, what is truth? Uh, when evolutionists admittedly deny that there is any meaning in life and a meaning in the planet Earth, of course, they're not going to, again, accept truth. Because what is truth? They can't answer that question. Or if they can, they deny the truth of it. What did Jesus say in John 8, verse 32? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, the evolutionists wanted to say, you know, meaning, meaninglessness will set us free. <laughs> no, uh, that enslaves them, not frees them. You should know the truth, and the truth shall make, make you free. And Jesus said in verse 31, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So we thank God for the truth that he's given us. And uh, Sir John Eccles pointed out that science does not have all the answers. It cannot deliver the final truth. But science can give us facts and insight into the very nature of the universe. And it's fascinating to see the inner workings of the creation itself. The Bible agrees with true science and vice versa. As our senior editor, Mr. Bill Vollmer, commented, quote, doesn't it follow, however, that God's people can use the tools of scientific inquiry within the framework of God's revelation to come to a far deeper and more accurate understanding of our world than can be had by materialistic science alone? Question mark. So, yes, we've had a lot of sermons on truth. We have uh, sermon number 394, Treasure the Truth of Sermon 403, Live the Truth. Sermon 410, Rejoice in the Truth. And then immerse yourself in the truth. And then we had a whole Tomorrow's World magazine dedicated to what is truth. That was the March-April edition of 2014, Tomorrow's World magazine, What is Truth by Wallace Smith. Uh, the cover had a photo of all these various people and uh, one of our reviewers said, well, that, that's not what us tooth. Who has the truth? And so that was on the cover, but the inside article was, what is truth? And, of course, you know the answer to that question very simply. John seventeen seventeen, uh, Jesus said, your word is truth. So question number seven, evolution cannot answer, what is truth? Question number eight, evolution cannot answer. What is the spirit dimension? So there's many questions evolution cannot answer because they deny the reality of the spirit dimension. Where do we find that in the Bible? Of course, John 4, 24, many, many other places. God is spirit, John 4, 24. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. And then we also saw in Job 38 and verse 6 that the morning stars, there was a spirit dimension, there were spirit beings before the physical dimension. And then we find there's an evil spirit at well, and, and this is what the world is deceived. Revelation 12, 9. And Satan has deceived the whole world. We had the Tomorrow's World magazine, September, October 2010, uh, 2010 cover article, Who is the Devil? And then God has given us this revelation of the spirit world and a description of even his throne of grace in heaven in Revelation, the fourth chapter. Just so awesome to read in Revelation 4 that God is sharing with us human beings what this magnificent, awesome throne is like with a sea of glass and then the rainbow and the thunders and lightnings and myriads and myriads of angels, the four living creatures, the 24 elders around the throne and the seven spirits before God's throne and the glorified Christ at the right hand of God the Father. What an awesome sharing of truth God gives us when we realize, yes, what is the spirit dimension? There's an unseen spiritual dimension that proves the very existence of God. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Second Corinthians 4 verse 16 has a subhead, seeing the invisible. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You might, uh, again, uh, turn to our t- Tomorrow's World telecast. Uh, the spiritual dimension. So there is an unseen spiritual dimension that proves the existence of God. Question number seven. Cannot answer, or number eight, what is the spirit dimension? Question number nine, a fascinating question. What is the human mind? Evolution cannot answer that question. So have we, re, re, uh, re, uh, have we evolved and so forth? Oh, by the way, uh, we have the Tomorrow's World magazine, the February 2023 issue uh, by Jonathan Mayer about the mind. Be mindful of your mind. And he also uh, emphasizes the mind of God. So you've heard a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But do you ever consider the mind of God, writes Mr. Jonathan McNair in the February 2023 Tomorrow's World magazine. Be mindful of your mind. What is the human mind? The humanist materialist insists that your mind is just a process of electronic and chemical processes and that humans do not have free will. Well, God states the opposite in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. Do you have free will? God says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So what is the human mind? We have an article by Mr. Wallace Smith, The Mystery of the Mind. That was September, October 2010. 
The Mystery of the Mind by Mr. Wallace Smith. And he states this in the article. Research is beginning to demonstrate more clearly than ever that the human mind and free will are not more are not mere illusions generated by the physical brain. The structure of the brain can be changed merely by the act of thinking. The standard materialist worldview makes the claim that this is impossible because mind is supposed to be merely the effect and physical brain the cause. But studies have demonstrated the reverse can also be uh, the case. Far from brain creating the mind, scientists are now discovering that the mind can change the brain. It's a two-way street. So what is going on? Are scientists reaching contradictory conclusions? Of course, years ago, even when I was at Ambassador College in the, in the 60s, Dr. Robert L. Kuhn has written extensively on the human brain and mind, and he talked about the limitations of materialism. The, Mr. Armstrong wrote in a personal in the, in the, in the Plain Truth magazine, January 1970, And Mr. Armstrong is quoting from Dr. Robert L. Kuhn. The brain is a computer, cries the materialist, pointing in in parallel concepts in cybernetics and neurophysiology. Information in the brain is simply the presence or absence of electrical chemical discharge. This presence absence is precisely the same as the yes-no flip-flop of a computer. True enough, writes uh, Dr. Kuhn. The brain is enormously more sophisticated in potential pathways and microcircuitry. There are upwards of 10,000 to 50,000 independent nerve cells in every cubic millimeter of cerebral cortex. 10 to 15 billion altogether. Each nerve cell is able to receive simultaneously information from thousands of cells, integrating and then funneling this new information to many other cells. Consequently, the permutations and com- uh, combinations of circuitry and sequences become astromono- astronomical. So here, Dr. Kuhn is showing what the marvelous creation of the human being is like. But he says, Dr. Kuhn continues, but is the human mind entirely the same as animal brain? That's the crucial question. And to find the answer, we submit the fundamental question of the unbiased arbitration of brain research. Quote, representative mammalian brains can be weighed and in descending order. They are whale, elephant, dolphin, man, gorilla, chimpanzee, and ramp, rat. Comparative uh, anatomical studies reveal a uniformity of distinct brain structures. Each structure is present in every brain, though their relative sizes vary. There is no qualitative difference among all the mammalian brains. Mentally, of course, Dr. Kuhn writes, man is unquestionably supreme. That's obviously obvious but he doesn't have the largest brain, and that's surprising. What's the explanation? Evolution cannot answer that, but 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. Of course, this is so important as understanding 
the human-spirited man, as I may have mentioned to you already about uh, Mr. Weston's article on what is the human spirit in the Living Church News. 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Animals can't know the spirit of man or the things of a man because it doesn't have the spirit of a man. The spirit of a man is in Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit was from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So there is a natural human spirit, and it's a spirit dimension. And, of course, evolutionists and atheists uh, cannot understand that because they deny uh, the spiritual dimension. So there is a human spirit. And when a, when a human dies, the spirit goes to God, who gave it, as it tells us in, in Ecclesiastes. So what is the human mind? The human mind is human brain plus the human spirit. Question number nine, evolution cannot answer. What is the human mind? Question number 10, what is reality? We had an article uh, on the Tomorrow's World magazine and also a telecast which aired January 30th, uh, 2022. What is the greatest reality? And the Tomorrow's World magazine, June uh, 2022. And um, I realized, as Mr. Herbert Armstrong said one time, what is the greatest fact in the universe? Three words, God rules supreme. And, of course, it tells us in Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So they deny reality, and they don't even know what the greatest reality is. God rules supreme. And that's warning is given to an atheist again in Psalm 53, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. And yes, we thank God that he's caring for his church, for the very body of Christ and the members. So the greatest fact is God rules supreme. In fact, several of our hymns, uh, if you uh, are attentive to that very theme, Psalm, uh, page 61, we have the hymn, The Lord Eternal Reigns. Let us rejoice. Uh, I like that hymn. Psalm, uh, page 61, The Lord Eternal Reigns. Let us rejoice. And then page 66, He shall reign forevermore. In Isaiah 40, verse 15, we see the power and the greatest reality of God in Isaiah 40 and verse 15. God compares his power with the physical creation. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket, Isaiah 40, verse 15, and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. Yes, you can't give God offerings with uh, animal sacrifices and... and uh, uh, burning of, of even a whole forest of trees. All nations before him are as nothing. 
and they are counted by him as less than nothing and worthless. So, brethren, when you're feeling down, you realize, what is the power of God? God says all the nations are less than nothing. He has more power than that. And, of course, the earth is like a little grain of sand in a limitless seashore. But God has a special purpose for planet earth, as we've seen. So, Dr. Kuhn made this comment in a challenging uh, current belief and closer to truth, the television program he had. The Strange Physics of the Mind, page 49. The theories are fascinating, and if, if not uh, convincing. Is consciousness a fundamental essence of the universe, the real stuff of reality? Again, this is the kind of question evolution cannot answer because there's a spiritual dimension. The answer is nice, but no. But could matter and mind both be derived from the same fundamental stuff, whatever that may be? I think we'll be astonished by whatever site sits as the ultimate building block of reality. We should be more astonished than human beings can ever conceive of it. It's dreaming like this that transposes us to, transports us closer to truth. In other words, he's questioning what is the greatest reality. And uh, God, of course, answered Job out of the whirlwind. In Job 38, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who, uh, who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> Job wasn't around. Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And to what were the foundations fashioned? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And God says in Isaiah 45, verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is no other. What is the greatest reality? God rules supreme. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me, Isaiah 45, and verse 5. Question number 10, what is reality? Evolution cannot answer that question. And the greatest fact, as Mr. Armstrong said, God rules supreme. So, brethren, I hope you are able to answer these questions as a defense when you realize the truth that God has given us. He's, Jesus said he's revealed these one to blood babes. And you have this awesome understanding and revelation that most of the world does not even come close to understanding. Question number 11, we only have two more to go here, is who has the greatest intelligence? Here are the videos by the intelligence design people quote on the matter. When you look at the creation, when you look at the physical creation, you see intelligence not random, um, spontaneous development. Question number 11, is there intelligence evident throughout the universe that is greater than the human mind? Now, who has the greatest intelligence? 
Of course, uh, Mr. Wallace Smith wrote the article in tomorrow's uh, The Living Church News, September, December uh, 2007, the three O's, omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience. He said, yes, God is omnipotent. That's Revelation 19, verse 6. Uh, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That's uh, Revelation 19, verse 6. Omnipresent, how is God everywhere? How is he omnipresent? We already the answer in David's words. Where will I go from your spirit? Psalm 139, verse 7. God is omnipresent through his spirit. Omniscient, God is all-knowing. He says in Isaiah 46, verse 9 and verse 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. So God has given human beings intellect. He's given us the matter to seek knowledge, but we know that you want true knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, tells us in Proverbs 1 and verse 7. And he also said that physical material knowledge would increase, as he told Daniel in Daniel 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Their great human minds, however, have misused their intelligence through carnal knowledge and behavior, even so that we're coming to cosmicide and self-destruction of all life on earth. On the other hand, there are human beings that God has given great intelligence to, and when they are converted, they can use that great mind power in harmony with God's laws and God's way of life, and that's encouraging. I've been surprised that our generation, our younger generation, has not learned of SETI, S-E-T-I, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. So uh, the agnostics and atheists, there there must be intelligence somewhere in this universe, so we're going to search for it with all these um, micro-machines and and, uh, that capture supposedly uh, electronic uh, messages from outer space. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, and spend billions of dollars on it. The authors of The Privileged Planet, in conclusion on page 335, comment on that effort to seek extraterrestrial intelligence. In reality, we have found no such signal. And yet, as we stand gazing at the heavens beyond our little oasis, we gaze not into a meaningless abyss, but into a wondrous arena, arena commensurate with our capacity for discovery. Perhaps we have also been staring past a cosmic signal far more significant than any mere sequence of numbers, a signal revealing a universe so skillfully drafted for life and discovery that it seems to whisper of an extraterrestrial intelligence immeasurably more vast, more ancient, more magnificent than anything we've been willing to expect or imagine. Of course, they don't mention God in this case. They're limiting themselves to scientific discovery. But in essence, they're saying there's great intelligence out there more than we can imagine. And then Albert Einstein wrote this. 
He wrote that the scientist, quote, religious feeling takes the form of a rapturous amazement at the harmony of natural law, which reveals an intelligence of such superiority that compared with it, all the systematic thinking and acting of human beings is an utterly insignificant reflection, end of quote. That's from Einstein, a century volume, uh, page 305. So Albert Einstein realized, yes, when you look out in the universe, you look at the harmony of natural law, it reveals a superior intelligence far beyond human intelligence. So do the great intellectuals disagree with the brilliant Einstein? Uh, what would they, would they call him uh, irrational? Or as some of them said, this kind of uh, belief is intellectual high treason? Uh, the atheists in several years recently and philosophers have emphasized the theme, belief in God is irrational. One atheist went on to say to allege that such a belief is intellectual high treason. The Apostle Paul gives a warning to such teachers, You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? Romans 2 and verse 21. So turn to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 3 and starting with verse 18. Is there intelligence in the universe? Who has the greatest intelligence? Do the intellectuals of this world claim to have that great intelligence? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let's understand, some highly intelligent, rational human beings observe various religions, and they see the paganism, the superstition, and as a result they reject all religion, even the true religion of the Creator God. They ought to read Dr. Meredith's booklet, uh, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. So we've discussed later, earlier, intelligent design, and I referred to the video, Unlocking the Mystery of Life, uh, one that I hope that you can see sometime in the incredible design of God and the, the human cell and all the microorganisms and machinery and the RNA and the DNA that's in every single cell. So evolutionists are limited to materialism, and they deny the greatest intelligence of all, and further they claim to recognize natural law, but it denies the spiritual laws that are just as real, powerful, and active. So God revealed to human beings his great law of love, and again, God is love, as it tells us in 1 John 4, verse 8, and verse 16. So one of the greatest realities of, of there is God rules supreme, but also one of the greatest reality is God is love. But who has the greatest intelligence? We've already seen that God knows everything. He's omniscient. And we thank you that he has the greatest intelligence. And to understand, as Albert Einstein said, that the religious feeling takes the form of rapturous amazement in the harmony of natural law which reveals an intelligence of such superiority 
that compared with it all the systematic thinking and acting of human beings is an utterly insignificant reflection. God has the greatest intelligence in the universe. Question number 11. Evolution cannot answer who has the greatest intelligence. Question number 12. Evolution cannot answer what is the future of the world and what is the future of the universe. As we know, Bible prophecy reveals the future of the world. We have several booklets and study guides that give the answer to that question. We know there's a World War III and Armageddon that lies ahead. And even this year, January 24th, 2023, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists moved the doomsday clock closer to midnight. A total global destruction is the symbolic of the doomsday clock at midnight. So a panel, quoting from here, a panel of international scientists has warned that humanity's continued existence is at greater risk than ever before, largely as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists set its doomsday clock at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest to midnight the clock has been since it was established in 1947 to illustrate Global existential threats at the dawn of the nuclear weapons age. We are living in a time of unprecedented age, and the doomsday clock reflects that reality. Ninety seconds to midnight is the closest the clock has ever been set to midnight, and it's a decision our experts do not take lightly, said the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. So we know the future of the world. Thankfully, Jesus Christ is coming back to save humanity from himself. As it says in Matthew 24, verse 22, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Can evolution predict the future? Only God can do that. As we said in Isaiah 46, in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand. Brethren, we are so blessed that God has revealed to him, to us, the truth, has revealed to us the future. We have Revelation 1 and verse 1, a whole booklet on Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Revelation is to show his servants those things which shall must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. That's Revelation of the first chapter. And, of course, we understand God's plan of salvation through the annual holy days and festivals. We understand that prophecy is genuine and that it's predictable. We have the booklet Prophecy Fulfilled, God hands, God's Hands in, in International Affairs. So, and then we have Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 that show not only the future of the world, but the future of the universe. And how Jerusalem not only will be the capital of the world and the millennium and the white throne judgment, but will be the capital of the universe. So that is the wonderful future God gives us. Question number 12, evolution cannot answer. What is the future of the world? And of course we have those 
who suppress the truth, as it tells us in Romans 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So God says they are with excuse. Will you believe evolution or revelation? Turn to Colossians 1 and verse 24. Colossians 1 and verse 24. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is his church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Thank God for his revelation. And we realize that he is, we are called to be his children, as it tells us in 1 John 3 and verse 1. What manner of love has God bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God? So God has given us that great and awesome calling. The church is under judgment, as it tells us in 1 Peter 4, 17. But that's a positive process. And he's given us true knowledge. So, brethren, I encourage you to answer all of these questions that we've heard today. Maybe write out a sentence or two and realize, yes, God has called us to have a defense of the truth, the defense of his word for, for those who ask a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And, of course, it tells us in Psalm 39 and verse 5 that every man in his best state is but vapor, or the King James Version of Psalm 39, 5, verily every man in his best state is altogether vanity. So we see the contrast between evolution and revelation. And as we read earlier, Jesus cried out to the Father with Matthew 11, verse 25. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So God tells us to seek wisdom and knowledge as for hidden treasures there in Proverbs 2 and verses Four and five. So thank God, brethren, for his revelation to you, to me, to his church. And I challenge you to write down your answers to these vital and powerful questions. On the depth of riches, God has given us both wisdom and the knowledge of God and how his ways are past finding out, as it tells us in Romans 11 and verse 23. God's revelation overpowers the foolishness of evolution. Don't be deceived by the materialist arguments of revolution. Of evolution. Now they're having a new one called revolution evolution, and that's a fallacy as well. But God has called us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Second Peter three verse eighteen. So study your Bible daily. Stay close to God and fulfill your purpose and meaning in life. Support God's work now in helping expand the family of God through the gospel and continue to see the big picture God wants you and me to inherit the earth, to inherit eternal life, 
and to inherit the universe and to be a part of God's royal family forever. Thank God for his revelation.